She makes the magic happen for AT&T Sportsnet. She's our friend Kristen Kenny. Hi, Kristen. Hey, guys. How you doing? We are great. Uh, let's talk about this series. Um, what, uh, I guess, let me put it this way. What impact, uh, uh, other than the obvious that Donovan Mitchell is awesome, do you think his return had on the team? Oh, man, guys. Oh, so great to have this guy back. I actually asked Coach Quinn Snyder about that, and I thought the best thing that he said was his competitive spirit. You can feel it when he plays and how much that really impacts the other guys and how much they feed off that. So, you know, the obvious is what we've, we all know Donovan can do offensively for this team, but that spirit that he has, he, even Mike Conley talked about it, uh, Rudy talked about it, is so incredible for these guys. Um, and I'm just so impressed with Donovan and to let the game come to him uh, to be as relaxed as he was, knowing he doesn't have to go out there and do everything. Um, and it's pretty amazing because Mike Conley said, I don't think there's going to be any issues with Donovan jumping back in. Uh, and he was right. <laughs> you know, he brings a level of versatility that that uh, um, I, I guess makes it easier for everybody else to to slip back into their normal role, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, what a relief for Joe Ingles, right, to go from all those minutes and the big um, weight on his shoulders. And, you know, so certainly a relief for a guy like Joe Ingles. And then uh, Donovan just draws so much attention, and that's that's what he does. I mean, he's an incredible player. He's a, a weapon. And so, you know, it allows other guys to be open, um, and he he's – controlling the game so much um i just i just really think i mean there's so much that this guy can do that but one thing you mentioned versatility the one thing that he wants to certainly do more of for the next game uh is assist he made that clear that he was not happy with uh that uh stat for his stat line for his game so um he didn't have any assists that night so i mean he's he's so uh competitive and really critical of himself and wants to get better and better so i can imagine he'll be more of a playmaker and you know get a couple more assists uh, tomorrow night what's your evaluation of the grizzlies so far in this series Kristen? guys they are so good um you can tell that they were hot they're warm they have a lot of confidence fearless john moran always talked about being fearless doesn't care about going up against a guy like rudy gobert he's going to attack him and he has um, very, very impressive to see such a young team come out with such fire uh, and confidence and poise. And, man, they're a tough – this is a tough opponent. It's definitely not an easy series. Uh, I think the Jazz, those six days off, a little bit rusty. I think game two was really good for them to kind of get back into that groove, get Donovan Mitchell back into the mix. And we should be seeing um, – Hopefully the Jazz will get back into their rhythm and what we have seen all season now that uh, they've gotten those two games under their belt. But what a heck of a, a first two games against this really competitive Memphis team. Jake and I were talking about this earlier, John Morant. What a great young player. And But I have no idea what he was thinking when he tried to do that Thunder Tomahawk dunk on Rudy. <laughs> I mean that that was that was the most memorable defensive play of the series, I think. 
Uh, that was incredible. Um, I, I, you know, when when that happened, I was texting one of our producers, Nathan, for the pregame, postgame show, and we had this series that I created called a. Uh, it's it basically uh, we turn to the fans to reenact the plays and to reenact Bowler Jack's call of the plays. And I thought, okay, that's going to be a good one. We should do that one. Um, you make the call is what we did, what we call it. But I thought that would be a great one to have the fans kind of reenact that because that was so, so good. And Rudy has talked about how he loves that kind of stuff, that guys go and attack him. And he's like, I don't want them to stop. Keep coming at me. I'm going to be there every time. And he's a competitive guy, and so is John. I think – it's really fun to, to see those things happen, and sometimes Jaw may get him. And when he got Jaw, that was really memorable. That was the only time the whole night I think the Jazz stopped him. Okay, look at Jordan. <laughs> always has he has always has to be the the rain cloud. Kristen. No, no. I mean, okay, let me ask Kristen this: When you saw what happened in that third quarter, when they when the when the Grizz went 15 straight possessions, scoring each time, I mean. I I I don't know. I didn't know what to make of that because on the one hand, they yeah they were playing really well, but on the other hand, I just thought the Jazz's defense was falling substantially short. That was not pretty. I was sitting there, and the energy in that entire arena just dropped. There was a time where the scoreboard and we said, "Hey, everybody, get up, let's cheer," and not a, it was hard to manifest energy at that time in that third quarter. Uh, because there was none for the for the Jazz, and defensively, yet getting stops was a problem. I think that's definitely going to be something. Obviously, they're they're talking about, they're figuring out. But Jaw, forty seven points, and the way that he attacked, I don't know how you slow that down. Um, because him and Valachuna, that's and then Dylan Brooks, they got stuff working there inside. So. I mean, you can you got to try to keep him out of the paint. However, but man, Jaw's just really tough, and we couldn't stop it in that third quarter. And so we just have to come out, and, and we did come out thankfully and do better in, in the fourth and um, got our rhythm back. But we've we, that is a concern, you know, when you look at what they did in that third quarter. That was that was wild. Um, I think that's going to be definitely a focal point trying to figure out. You, you, guys, you don't really slow down a jaw or ramp, but what can you live with? Kristen Kenny of AT&T Sportsnet with us. And, Kristen, in a normal year, you know, you travel with the team on the road and you've been to all these different uh, these different arenas and environments. Tell us a little bit about the Grindhouse. And I know I think they're, they're going to have 10,000 fans, if memory serves. But, uh, you know, wow. they've got a rep for being a pretty pretty nasty place to play. It is. Um, it's well. They're used to playing. We're used to playing in front of our awesome home crowd. So I don't see it being really a big factor, big deal for the guys. Um, I think it'll be fun versus going on the road and being on the road and all of the new protocols and then having to play in an empty arena. You're probably as a competitor, you feed off of whether it's the opponent fans or your fans, just to have fans. Uh, playing is huge. But yes, yeah, the grindhouse. It's always a challenge going in there. Um, it's, uh, the, the, what I remember is the hotel being right across from the arena. So you just have to walk right across, uh, which was very convenient, but, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be, it'll be a fun environment for them. And I, I can't believe it. Those fans are coming back. 
We were talking about this earlier, but you've been to all these arenas. Which do you think are the loudest that you've heard? Obviously, I think I would include uh, Vivian Arena in that uh, top group, but who else uh, have you experienced that way? Vivian Arena, for sure. Jazz fans are wild. Um, Of course, Warriors, uh, Golden State, that's always rocking. Houston was always loud, but it was their sound system. So <laughs> every time I was in there, it was just so piercing. Um, but I would say the, those two for sure, the ones that stood out to me, Oklahoma City uh, was always very loud and, and tough to play um, in that atmosphere. Their, their fans were up on their feet until the first bucket for OKC. So I love that energy. Uh, but, yeah, you, you guys talk about Memphis, and, and that's definitely an arena that's that's always fun and in a tough place to play and it could be a grinded out game tomorrow, but hopefully not for the jazz. Hopefully they'll come out out of the gates and be on fire. Maybe your answer to this question uh, is low, but what is the likelihood that the jazz steal both games in Memphis? Well, we've during the regular season, I mean, you can put that aside, but we got business done. I, I think it's going to be a tough battle, but I think our team, uh, when we are playing at the highest level, which we've all seen this incredible regular season, uh, I think our team is is unbelievable. And we could go in and go on these huge runs. And um, remember, during the season, we would put together these huge, huge runs. And uh, we were unstoppable. So I think when you take that time off, you do get a little bit of rust, and you have a team that's very, very hot and warmed up. And so there is a difference there, so it takes maybe a little bit more time. But I wouldn't doubt this Jazz team. I would love to see them go in there tomorrow night and take care of business, um, have consistent quarters. Let's not see a third quarter like we saw the other night at home and just run away with a win. Um, and then once once they do that, then you're rolling high. You're riding that wave of confidence. So your next game hopefully carries that carries over. I mean that's that's obviously what all of us want, right? But um, and the Jazz certainly are capable of doing it, especially against this Memphis team. So I'm thinking they could walk in tomorrow and and just have incredible four quarters. Have you gotten a sense from Mike Conley what it's like for him to go up against his old team in in a playoff setting like this? It's definitely surreal. It's uh, probably something that he wasn't expecting. And I know watching that game, when um, the play-in game was happening, he was with Mary, his wife, out to dinner, he said, and was watching that game on the cell phone at dinner. And uh, how this is, this is wild that this is happening, that I'm going to be playing my former team. It's, it's definitely surreal. Um, and I'm sure there will be a lot of emotions and um family members and friends and it it'll be great but he's been a part of the jazz now for two years and his focus is a championship a title with the utah jazz and i think that's number one and he's a absolute professional and vet and i don't i don't think any distractions there i think he's ready to take care of business for the utah jazz but such a unique experience and opportunity for him that he'll probably cherish for a long time why does everybody like him you no, know, everybody likes him. Everybody likes him. Opponents, oh, how can you get his teammates? Hey, yeah, I mean, he he's won the uh, he's won what the Lady Bing Award or whatever. 
the teammate of the year. Yeah. Teammate of the year. He's sports. How can you not awards. like this guy? He's just. You guys are in the interviews with him, and you hear his his presence, his the way he communicates, his calmness. He's so calm and and brings so much poise. So you've got a young guy, Donovan, who is unbelievable, incredible talent, but you have this calming presence uh, of Mike Conley, um, controls the floor, sees the floor, no panic, and he's just such a great person. And his family, his wife, she's. They're, they're just wonderful people, really genuine people, and we're so lucky to have a guy like that. He fits the culture of the Utah Jazz perfectly. Um, he, he really, like I would root for this guy forever, <laughs> even even as an opponent. This guy is amazing. Christian, what did you think about Jordan Clarkson getting the Sixth Man of the Year award, and what did you think about Joe Ingles presenting that award? I thought that was so clever. What a great, creative way to do that and loop in – Joe, and they had so much fun together. I know the Utah Jazz had a great uh, behind-the-scenes of that moment. I think it's still up on utahjazz.com for people who haven't seen it, but it's definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it because Joe is just comical, pure comedy, and then to to catch him off guard and give him the free right then and there, it was it was really a special moment. He's very It's well-deserved, as we all know. I don't think any other – uh, I, I know Joe was definitely in that running, and kudos to Joe as well for what he's done. But a true six man, when you think about a true six man, um, that's JC. He's always coming off. He's coming off the bench, right? He's, um, I think, started maybe just a handful of games, if that, maybe a couple this season because of injuries. But um, he's a true six man, and I, I'm just really proud of him. He's done so much work. Um, what a great team we have. And it, that shows you that video and that presentation just shows you how close they are and how much they really root for one another. Kristen, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, real quick before we let you go, tell us about yeah. the, the watch party in the arena. You guys are going to be doing your broadcast kind of, this, this is going to be really cool. I think it's going to be awesome. I heard, I hear there's going to be a lot of fans. So we're going to have some fans in the arena tomorrow night for the game, we'll have it up on the Jumbotron so you'll be able to hear the broadcast um, and, and see Craig Bowlerjack and uh, you know, our wonderful analysts, Thurl Bailey, Matt Harpering, Alema, Mike Smith, and we'll all be in there together. I'll be roaming around, I hope. Um, I think it's going to be really fun. So they'll be doing some stuff I know on the court. I think the jazz dancers, concessions. So you have to RSVP, though and you can receive a special discount code for the team store. So I think you want to go to utahjazz.com if you have an RSVP. Doors open at 6.30 Mountain, I believe, and a 7.30 tip. So that'll be super fun. How cool is that? It's going to make us seem like we're there on the road, even though we're not. We're not watching a game on the court, but we'll watch it on the jumbo. It's going to be cool. Yeah, it is cool. If we wanted to go to – if we were gamers – could we go? Could we rent the arena out and uh, play video games <laughs> up on the on the big screen? I have no idea. We should we should ask about that. I, I think they were doing that down at Jerry's place down there on that huge screen. Uh, Gordon huh. uh, Pong is going to look the same. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, uh, I don't think he. Did I, oh, and this screen. is free, by the way. This is all free. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's so cool. It, it really is a really great idea. It's so great. I wonder how many we'll have. Well, we'll uh, you and I will both be there, Christian. It'll be fun to find out uh, 
uh, when it happens, and would encourage everybody. I think Jazz to check Nation should come out. So yep. Everybody, everybody, get to the <laughs> get to the arena, but make sure. I think you do have to RSVP. Awesome. Well, Kristen, thank you. Uh, we'll be watching. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you, guys. There you go. That's our friend Kristen Kenny uh, jumps on with us and give it a little jazz breakdown. Always a pleasure. Yeah, we love talking to Kristen. She's great. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, through the first round, uh, the games are on uh, AT&T Sportsnet, although I heard Bowler mention that if the game, if the series goes seven games, they won't have the game seven. But mm-hmm. other than that. And then the national TV contracts take over, and unfortunately we don't get our Bowler and Kristen fix. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you asked Kristen the question about whether she thought the Jazz could get those two games in Memphis. If you were, where would you lay the percentages on that? Well, I don't know. Let me let me put it to you how I put it earlier and see if you agree. Do you find two and zero more likely than zero and two? Yes. Probably would lean toward one and one, but I suppose not. If I had okay, to. Okay, so so let's put a percentage on it then, because it sounds like you and I are, are of similar mind. I would say sixty percent uh, uh, split. Oh, 60% split. Okay. Yeah, 40% uh, Jazz Sweep. And 0% for 0-2. Oh, I guess. <laughs> I'm running out of percentage points, aren't I? You did. Oh, uh, let, me, let me back up. Let me say 50. Bold statement. Not po- <laughs> 0-2, not possible, says 50, Gordon Monson. <laughs> I'd say 50-40-10. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm with you. That seems about right. <laughs> I'd say one and one is the most likely. Two and zero, oh, much more uh, likely than zero oh and two. So I, yeah, I, I'm with you. It always bothered me when people said that they gave a hundred and ten percent because I know it's the same reason it bothers you to control your own destiny. No, it's just impossible. But yet he's on fire out there. It doesn't bug you at all. <laughs> that's a strong. That's a strong argument on your part. It really is, but. But people think the problem with that, that's fine because that's that's uh, hyperbole. He's on yeah. fire out there. Someone get the fire extinguisher. But you cannot control your own destiny. Destiny is what it is. It's not controlled. But it's a figure of speech much like but, No, the, but it's incorrect. He, the guy's not actually on fire out there. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's not that's, correct that's, either. That's an exaggeration. Not a figure of speech. I failed to see the difference. But then again, you're smarter than me. So I don't – I'm sure it's me uh, behind the I, I would not want to see anybody on fire. No, that would be uh, terrible. Mm-mm. All right, well, more Big Show coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.